I love movies, and I especially love Christmas movies, because so often they bring meaning and purpose to this time of year. And so um, this morning, let's see if I can get There we go. Pull that out. Right. So, love Christmas movies. Last week we started with uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And I want to report back from last week that there were no Grinches in our audience because you gave a total of $40,031.47 to Meriden Foundation. That is the largest donation in, in the history of the Marriage Foundation. So thank you so very much. This morning I want to talk about the dilemma we live in in Christmas. Really we live in this dilemma in life. On, on one hand, we absolutely need people. We were born to need people. On the other hand, people drive us crazy. Anybody say Amen. Amen. And, and so we live within this tension of this, this need. I mean, from the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, Scripture says, Let us create man in our own image. Do you realize that the Trinity had lived in community, in relationship, for all of eternity? And then he wanted to share it with us. It doesn't take very long until he says, It is not good for man to be alone. That's the truth. We need each other. But on the other hand, we have a hard time getting along. It doesn't take us to Genesis chapter 4 until we see the first dysfunctional family. How dysfunctional? One of the brothers kills another. We continue to live with dysfunctional families. So we're almost in this dilemma. We can't live with it and we can't what? Live without it. And that becomes even more pronounced when we come to the Christmas holidays. Because relationships are more difficult. Hurry, busyness, and closeness are opposite. It's hard to feel close and be close and be kind to people when you're hurried and stressed. When you're spending more money than you ought to be spending. And have you ever said this after a, a, you know, a long time with your family in your house and one of you said when you're back in the privacy of your bedroom, the noise is just getting to me. We all deal with that. And a part of the problem with that is we've got this perfect Instagram picture of Christmas. We see that Instagram picture of this perfect family gathered for Christmas. And they put it out, and my family is in disarray and fighting. But we'll probably be honest, that perfect family, don't you think when they took that picture, they fought before it and they fought after it? Has anybody ever taken a big family picture in peace? It just doesn't hardly happen. And so we live in this dilemma. How do we live through it? Now, our movie today is Home Alone. And it centers around an eight-year-old boy named Kevin who lives in this dilemma. Watch the preview of the movie. (laughs) Love love the preview. But one thing we got to go ahead and confess right here at the beginning is there's no way this movie could be made today. It was made in 1990. Uh, Look at the meme of what would happen today. Kevin wakes up. He's all alone. He texts his mom, Mom, I'm home alone. She texts him back. Oh, Kevin, I'll get off the plane. I'll come get you. The end. It would be a rather quick movie today because we wouldn't have the tools for, for, we have the tools for someone not to be left that way. 
Now, if you watch the movie, though, uh, you'll sort of see that Kevin deserves this treatment. We, we would call him a brat, all right? He's eight years old. He causes trouble. He's not cute any longer. It's just difficult. In the South, we would say that Kevin is a handful. I mean, so he's causing all kinds of trouble. He's actually been barred to the attic bedroom the night before and that's how they leave him when they're loading up two vans with family and thought they'd counted off everybody but kevin on the day before had been really nasty to his mom told his mom he didn't love her would never love her and actually has a wish i hope my family disappears well in the movie the wish is granted And the movie just follows what happens after the wish is granted and the family ends up in Paris and Kevin is home alone. Kevin quickly discovers that being alone, though it may sound so awesome to not have to fool with people, is not necessarily that good. I love this quotation from Mother Teresa. Loneliness around the feeling of being unwanted is the worst kind of poverty. A lot of us got to experience this. Let's just be honest. Last Christmas, 2020, we'll never forget. Last Christmas when we're in the middle of isolation and social distancing. And even wearing masks, you couldn't really tell who was who. And it was a terrible time. I know in our family, you know, um, we had over Thanksgiving sort of had a, you know, a spreader event. <laughs> they all blamed it on me. And... Um, then by Christmas, you know, Stephanie and I are sick with uh, COVID and everybody's uh, distance. It's, it's honestly the most miserable Christmas that we have ever spent. And many of us experienced that. It, it was an awful time. You know, even before the pandemic, studies said 40% of Americans feel lonely. That's up from 20% in 1980. I love the story about this British doctor. He's treating this 82-year-old woman named Doris. She keeps on thinking of reasons to stay in the hospital. Her arms hurt, her backs hurt, her necks hurt. He keeps on doing tests. There's nothing at all wrong with her. So finally he comes back and says, Doris, you're a perfectly healthy 84-year-old old lady. You need to go home. And she honestly responds, I don't want to go home. I'm just all alone with so many hours in the day. Do you have a cure for loneliness? My friends, today in the Christmas story, God will give us a cure for loneliness. Before we get to that, let's make another point about being home alone. Listen to this quotation. Satan's first and primary method of attack is always to isolate. In the movie, we see these two idiotic robbers, Harry and Marv, trying to break in the house. And we see Kevin beat them on every front. Because we do not have an idiotic enemy. We had an enemy that Peter says walks around this earth like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. And he knows he can devour us much better if we're alone than if we're in community. If you you study lions, lions love to attack and eat zebras. But the way, though, they're going to be able to do that is if they can get one of the zebras away from the herd, then that zebra is gone. And my friends, our enemy, our lion enemy, Satan, knows if he can get us off isolated, lonely, 
then he has a great opportunity to defeat us. You see, we found out physically during COVID that there's a damage done when you're alone. When you have weak social connections, it, it affects you physically. One doctor study came out and said, being unsocially connected is more dangerous than being way overweight. It is actually more dangerous, they found out, than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And let me tell you this, spiritually, even though sometimes you want to be isolated because people get on our nerves, spiritually it is just as destructive. When you find yourself alone, it leads to all kinds of temptation, to depression, to stress, to drinking, to pornography, to anger, you name it. And especially in this holiday season, if you combine overeating and over-drinking with a lack of sleep, you've got a recipe for disaster. So how do we deal with this? I want us to look just real quickly to the loneliest person, I think, in the Christmas story. I think he is way underrated. It's Joseph. Go with me to Matthew chapter 1. And let's, we're going to look at three scenes from Joseph's life. And we, we talk about Mary a lot, but we don't often put ourselves in the role of Joseph and what he must have felt in the Christmas story. Look at verse 18, Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant, believe this, through the Holy Spirit. Joseph didn't. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Engagement was much more serious in that day. To get out of it, you had to have a divorce. And Joseph sees he's only got two options. Number one is to publicly humiliate Mary with the possibility that she will be stoned to death. Number two is just privately, without anybody knowing, to divorce her and to allow her to go. Well, he doesn't choose either one of them because that's not working. Not quite sure what's happening with this mic. If it keeps going, I'll get the other one. So look what he does. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph... Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you, Joseph, are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So what was happening in scene one? He feels betrayed by the person he loved the most, and he trusted I mean, can you imagine, what does Joseph do? Who does he talk to? Does he go to his friends and say, my girlfriend's pregnant by the Holy Spirit? 
What do, you, what do you think his family's saying to him? Joseph, you've got to get away from this girl as quickly as possible. Man, if, if she'll do this to you before you get married, what will she do to you after you get married? Can you imagine how lonely he must have been? And, and then scene number two is when he felt overwhelmed by personal responsibility. That, that's about Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. You remember that story. Mary's finally about to give birth. Roman government of all times calls a census. They've got to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem to Joseph's home city. And then they get there and Joseph's not even been able to line up a good place for him to stay. They end up in probably a cave with animals where she gives birth. Can you imagine how lonely he felt there? I mean, you know, if you read Luke chapter 2, something stood out to me this week I've never noticed. Because Matthew 1 tells us they get married, and I'm sure they do. But in Luke chapter 2, at the birth of Jesus, they're still not married. And he's in the middle of this embarrassment, all alone with this woman who's giving birth. I mean, number one, can you imagine traveling by foot or on donkey with a nine-month pregnant woman? Josh, you and Courtney want to try that right now? Doesn't sound too good, does it? No, I mean, imagine, again, yourself in Joseph's place. So then there's a third scene of Joseph. This is all we know, scene chapter 3, when he had to flee out of fear to escape danger for his family. We, we watched Herod, the king who wanted to steal Christmas last week. He wanted to stop Christmas before it started. And thank goodness the angels of the Lord are able to, to intervene and, and to defeat him. And part of that is Joseph, Mary, and Jesus have got to flee to Egypt. Because that trip is about the same distance as you and I walking to Atlanta with a newborn babe. He's got to be exhausted. How embarrassed, how lonely. He will never live down. We think Joseph probably lived a pretty short life. We don't hear a lot about him after just a few years. He'll never live down this reputation. Mary will never live it down. And this continues, you know, he feels betrayed. He feels all alone. He's fleeing to Egypt where he knows not a soul. I mean, in his mind, it's got to be, when is this ever going to end? I'm continually having to leave everything familiar to me to something brand new. Marriage and having a child on its own is enough challenge without all this, right? Don't say amen beside your spouse, okay? Right? It is. So what do we learn from these two stories about dealing with loneliness? Especially during this Christmas season. How do we do that? Elvis sung years ago that many of us are probably going to experience a blue, blue Christmas. How can we avoid that? So, number one, let me just give you a few practical points, and especially to apply this Christmas, but these would apply any time of the year. Number one, we must have a game plan. One of the cool things about the young boy Kevin is he had a battle plan of what he was going to do to keep the attacking thieves out of his house. And I believe Joseph... Guys, Joseph didn't all of a sudden have this incredible character when all this happened. Trouble doesn't always start character, it reveals character. 
And, and what we see about Joseph, he had a pretty good game plan in his life. He listened to God. When the angel shows up, he listened. Joseph is obedient. When nothing made sense, when everyone's whispering in his ear, you need to leave her, he still was obedient to the voice of God. That's a great game plan. And in the midst of this holidays, you must focus on being obedient to God. 1 Peter 5 tells us about this roaring lion. Listen to me. This is the time of year when he attacks like crazy. And this is Peter's advice to you, is that you need to be sober-minded, serious-minded. You need to be alert. I ask you, do you have a game plan about the next 13 days? How are you going to handle family? How are you going to handle finances? How are you going to handle disappointment? How are you going to handle the crowds? How will you handle the lack of crowds? How will you handle the empty chair at the table? Again, I would tell you, you'd do a whole lot better if you think about it. Because what happens to most of us is if Christmas is not good for us, we sort of repeat Christmas after Christmas after Christmas, and we do the same things. We have the same misery. We get this incredible picture. We're all excited, and then we're disappointed. Don't set yourself up for disaster. How will you handle it? Plan ahead. What's your attitude going to be? What are some things you're going to do? Many of us need to learn to say no to too many things that just make our schedule impossible to keep it and be nice to people. How will you include God? Last week, our major point was you got to bring the meaning of Christ coming into your Christmas. That's part of your game plan is that God's giving you this church family so that none of us have to be alone. Number two, we must live in gratitude. You know, if you watch the movie, which I enjoyed watching this week for the first time in a long time, you'll see that Kevin has a change of heart. And by the time his parents have been gone for a while and he's all alone, he's taking their picture and kissing it. And um, he, he says when he visits the elf, will you please tell Santa this year that instead of parents, uh, excuse me, <laughs> sorry, that's wrong, instead of presents... <laughs> I just want my family. He's got a change of heart. He's learned to appreciate people who even get on his nerves. And they've even learned to appreciate him. And I imagine with Joseph, in the middle of everything Joseph's going through, in the long run, he has to just say, you know what? I got married, and how blessed am I to be the father, the earthly father of Jesus? I, I love this quotation. I saw this week, it's not a tribute to anybody. Gratitude, gratitude turns what you have into enough. We always want more. We always want things to go better. We always want Christmas Day to go perfect. But gratitude says I don't focus on what's going wrong. I don't focus on who's getting on my nerves. I focus on what I have and who I have. Because we are so blessed. Stephanie and I went yesterday to buy, you know, some of those little lighted deers for our front yard. We've been thinking about that for years and put it off because we didn't want to pay the money. And finally, Costco had them on sale, you know, for $160. And so finally, we bought them. So we're going home, and I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, I'm spending $160 on three little lighted deers to be in my front yard. How many people on this earth don't have $160 their whole life or a year? 
I said, I, of all people, for us to be miserable. And then after that, man, I, I'd not paid attention to the news all day till, till late that night. Then I'm watching all the tornado victims and the hundreds of people killed. And the people's life who's been devastated. And the whole city in Kentucky that's been destroyed. And I'm thinking, I'm going to sulk through Christmas. I'm going to be upset because the grandkids make too much noise. I'm going to be upset because they might break some trinket on my coffee table. Give me a break. We are blessed people. And if you focus on what you have and not what you don't have, make a gratitude list this Christmas. Like one person put it, you can choose to be lonely or you can choose to be grateful. The number three, we must proactively love people. Because that's what we learn from the Christmas story. It's the story of a God who proactively came after us when we didn't deserve it. As John will later say, we love him not because we started this thing, but because he first loved us. We lay our lives down for each other. Wouldn't that change Christmas if we're willing to do that? Because Jesus laid his life down for us. So can I, can I encourage you? Reach out to somebody who needs you. If you feel alone, and maybe you are, are literally going to spend Christmas home alone, there's one tool we did learn during COVID that might bless you. Why don't you arrange a Zoom call? with people you love that are scattered across the country. And experience your Christmas together. How about if we decided to volunteer? How if we decided to reach out to some people in our neighborhood who might be alone like us? How about if we decided to invite some people over? How about instead of just getting in my corner and saying, you know, I'm just going to stay home and be upset about it. How about you come to the concert tonight? I mean, how about you make sure proactively you, you surround yourself with people? I tell you, if you'll do that, it's like going to church on the day you don't want to go to church. You God, I want to go to church. I don't feel like going to church. I'd love to skip the day. When you show up, do you ever walk out and say, I regret coming? I hear you over and over. No, I didn't want to come today. But I'm so glad I did. I think of Michael and Leanne Jordan, who during the Thanksgiving season... On Thanksgiving Day, invite everyone in RSVP who wants to come to come to their house for a Thanksgiving meal. What a blessing. I've heard so many people talk about it. But the blessing was not just for the folks who came. The blessing was for Michael and Leanne. And I'll say to you and I, if you decide instead of thinking, how are people treating me? Or who didn't show up? Or where's the fight going on in the family? Or who's not speaking to each other anymore? Instead of doing that, you get your eyes off yourself and other people and you proactively love people. Something cool is going to happen. It happened to Kevin in the movie. He goes to church. He befriends an old man in his neighborhood that he was so afraid of. And Kevin, who's all of a sudden now become pretty wise, convinces the old man to be reconciled with his son, who he hadn't spoke to in years. And then finally watch as the family reunion happens. That's the nicest thing Buzz has ever son- said to his younger brother, okay? He- you love that, but let me just ask this for a second, because we can stop right here and make a mistake. How long do you think that's going to last? Uh, listen to me, guys. It's just a few years lo- later that we've got what? Home Alone 2. And Kevin's lost again, this time in New York City, all right? 
And what you say, buddy, what is the point you're trying to make? I want us to, just for the last five minutes we got, I want us to dive deeper, okay? Let's, let's go deeper. The real problem with us having problem with people is sin. Sin not only separates you from God, it separates you from people. It's because of our sinful nature that we don't get along with people for very long. It might happen for a moment, but it won't stay. Listen to me, friends. Division is natural. Unity is supernatural. No wonder our country's divided when we've taken God out of the public square and we overlook unchristian mean behavior. No wonder we're so divided. We kicked the principles of Jesus out. And guys, we're going to be divided in our families and among each other as long as we allow sin in our life. And here is the only answer. The only answer is God. Jesus came to be God with us. He came to reconcile us with God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He came to reconcile us with God because he could get rid of sin and he could give us the Holy Spirit to sanctify us so we have less and less sin in our life and we can be close to God and God looks at us perfect. But not only did he unite us with God, he also came to reconcile us with each other. Because when we begin to act in a Christ-like manner, we get along better. We understand how to love. We understand how to reconcile. We understand how to forgive. And catch this. Even if you are truly home alone, if you believe that God is with us, you are never alone. That's people are going to let you down. You're going to have conflicts. That's, that's part of life. Hopefully because of Jesus, we know how to reconcile. But listen to me, friends. If you will embrace the birth story of Jesus and the meaning to you that God is with us. When Jesus leaves and leaves the Holy Spirit, God is in us. You don't ever have to be alone. So we're about to give you a chance to pray around the stage with some people. Let me ask all the leaders here at Landmark I've asked to come pray around the stage. Some of our shepherds, some of our ministers, some of our members. Just come surround the stage if you would. And today we're not asking you to come forward and write something on some card because this is a pretty personal thing. It's hard for us to admit that we feel lonely. Some of you have moved to a new city and you feel lonely. Some of you are away from relatives. Some of you have that empty seat at the table and you're lonely. And and what I'd ask you is part of your game plan is this church. And you've got some folks standing around this stage who love you and would love to pray for you. Maybe today you just need to come to them because this season is just hard on you. As hard as I'm trying to preach to make it different, you've got a pretty rotten attitude going in thinking it's always bad, it's going to be bad again. I know there's going to be a fight in the family. I know something's going to happen. Listen, let's start with a game plan of praying about it. And so I'm going to invite you to come and to pray. Go, go ahead and stand. We're going to sing in just a moment. If today you'd like to be baptized, and the promise of baptism is God comes through the Holy Spirit to live in you, and you can walk out of here and never be alone, period, then just come, come to me. But please today, if you need some prayers about what's about to happen these next 13 days, or maybe this dilemma we've talked about, not just about Christmas, it's about your life. You know you need people, you need to be in a small group, but there's part of you that fights it like everything. 
So I want to read some scriptures before we sing and before you come and pray. Lamentations 3. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in Him. Listen to the promise of Deuteronomy 3, verse 8. The Lord Himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Hebrews 13, verse 7. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then don't forget the promise of this season. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this morning, if you need some prayers, just come. Please give these folks your name. Speak loud enough for them to hear you and allow them to pray for you before we conclude our service around the table. Let's sing together.